Greetings, golf fans, and welcome. This is episode 84 of Playing the Tips podcast, previewing the United States Open Championship at Los Angeles Country Club and one more week on the beautiful grind. From Fort Pontchartrain, du Détroit, I am your host, Sports Guy Ty. Find me on Twitter at Sports Guy Ty. Joining me from Tree City, Ann Arbor, Michigan, is Shallow Cal, whom you can find on the Twitters at Shallow Cal Golf. But before we get into podcast sauce tonight, we have a special guest joining us. For the first time since the days of the Right Click Print Money podcast, our old pal T-Mac returns tonight to help us preview our nation's championship. Welcome back, my friend. Uh, first, what are you drinking? And second, what have you been up to with yourself these past 10 months or so since you last graced these airwaves? Gentlemen, gentlemen, it's uh, great to be back. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, for, for those that are longtime followers of the old podcast, uh, this is my favorite of the of the majors. So I was, uh, it was a no-brainer for me to try to jump in and uh, get on this one. Uh, what I've been up to the last 10 months is mostly work, a lot of fishing trips, um, a lot of travel, a lot of just good stuff for the soul. What was what was the best fishing trip? It's hard to say, but I mean, if I had to pick what's the best, it was the Brazil trip because you're in the middle of the Amazon jungle. It's not like anything you've ever done before. And the fishing was insane. Uh, but Montana was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, totally different technique and a lot harder to catch the trout as it is the the peacock bass. Um, but I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to this trip coming up next month in uh, in Alaska that unfortunately Ty had to uh, withdraw from. So unfortunately, I did. He pulled the collar Morikawa on us. Family matters. Family matters indeed. <laughs> Uh, presumably you've been playing some golf during this stretch as well. Yes. I have been playing so much golf. I think I've already put in 30 rounds or something like that this year. So this sounds to me like you're just living the dream of Victor Dubuisson's life on the European tour. <laughs> I mean, look, all I'm going to say is I do well. Uh, you know, I like my job. I'm in a good stretch. I got no kids and no responsibilities. So the way I look at it is, let's fucking live it up while we can. I mean, there's no guarantee for tomorrow, so I'm I'm enjoying this. Uh, that's a pretty similar pretty similar take to Dubuisson, I do believe that uh, that man enjoys his sport fishing as every bit as much as his day job as a professional golfer. And you know what? He does both pretty averagely and lives a wonderful life doing it. <laughs> yeah, I actually just planned a another trip for November with uh, Cattell's. Uh, for some rooster fishing. We won't turn this into a fishing podcast, so, but you want to look at some fun, fun fishing. Look at these roosters. Thank God. Shallow, you'd be out there with us. No. What, what are you drinking, T-Mac? What's the podcast sauce for the U.S. Open? Uh, it's a nice big glass of water. Mmm, H2O. I am uh, smoking something, though, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's called, but it's working. At least you're indulging. <laughs> uh, Shallow Cal, let's bring you back in. What's your podcast sauce tonight? Uh, <clears throat> went with a nice uh, nice tequila reposado, um, splurged a little bit, and went with the Codigo, uh, Codigo reposado. Hmm. Team yes. that's more up your alley than mine. You're more the t- tequila guy. 
Oh, Reposado is my favorite. Uh, you know, just absolutely amazing stuff there. So uh, that would be one if I was with Callow, I would ask him to pour me a glass. Yeah, it's like a it's like a seventy five dollar bottle. Um, got it at Plum Market, and uh, it's very nice, very very good. No surprise here, but Labatt Blue Light for me, Canada's finest pilsner, imported to Detroit, Michigan. Uh, all right. Speaking of Canada, we do have to very quickly hit on that before we get back to the U.S. Open golf. Um, Canadian Open recap, shallow cow, shit, shit, and more shit, particularly for me. <laughs> <laughs> At least you collected the chop on Eric Cole, 90 to 1. Yeah, that was uh, <clears throat> that was heartbreaking seeing that uh, slinging, uh, slinging fairway medal in from Mark Hubbard on 18. I had been uh, sweating the full place on Eric Cole, which would have been great. Instead, we chopped it only one way. Um, I mean, what can you do? Everything else was so fucking dead in the water. Uh, it was a it was a bad week. I had but, something happen, but yeah, go ahead. But I mean, but that chop got me back to even on the week, so can't really complain. I mean, that's all you can really ask, right? Be able to yeah. to fight another week. Yep. So I had something happen to me last week that has not happened since we started doing this almost uh, a little over two years ago. I I actually went over on all of my six picks. I did not Oof. take one single golfer to the weekend for the first time at the Canadian Open. It's been a weird sort of six, seven weeks here for me. I have had some huge hits with the Cam Davis 200 to one each way at the PGA, the Akshay Batia 100 to one each way at Mexico outright on Victor two weeks ago. And then I just disappear in the weeks in between. <laughs> I don't even threaten the places when I'm not collecting the big checks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something, man. Last week was a really funky week. Um, <clears throat> so... I don't even really know how to explain it, man. I mean, I, the only reason that I got in on Eric Cole is because he shot fucking nine under on Sunday, like out of nowhere. And it, it was just, it was, it was a very strange week. Um, you know, that putt to win that 72 foot bomb. What a playoff. Um, it was an actual excellent display of golf and, and happy, uh, that finally a Canadian has captured the national championship again. Yeah, that was pretty cool was for pretty Nick cool. Taylor. First time in, uh, I believe, 69 years that a Canadian won their national open. Um, hopefully a little bit of a boon for me as well. I've been carrying around two Nick Taylor rookie patch autographed cards that are also numbered and have been to this point in time completely worthless in the sports card collecting hobby. They're so worth at least 10 bucks now. Oh, well, the first thing I did was list them on eBay after his win <laughs> Sunday night, hoping to take advantage of some overly exuberant Canadians. Any uh, any nibbles? None. <laughs> any, any views or saves? Got a couple of views, a couple of okay. saves, but we're no, no offers even at this point. <laughs> well, I would say let me know if you want me to pump it up for you, but I would end up probably buying it. <laughs> and you don't need one, let alone two Nick Taylor RPAs. I do not. <laughs> T-Mac, I'm assuming you saw Adam Hadwin in the tackle heard round the world on Sunday. Oh, it was fucking hilarious to see that happen. And, uh, you know, they had the multiple views of everything and the, the tweet from uh, Hadwin's wife. And uh, just that has to be the most Canadian. The only thing that was missing was them all wearing denim. 
<laughs> Corey Connors tried. Yeah. No, it was really, really uh, great and uh, funny that uh, I, I believe her tweet was something along the lines of that Adam Hadwin had um, had uh, apologized uh, to the security guard after being tackled. <laughs> the most Canadian thing ever. Yeah, absolutely. But, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, the security guards didn't know and they were doing their job. And I think in those situations, uh, you know, no harm, no foul. And uh, they got to appreciate the guys actually doing his job. Yeah, agreed. Because you know if Shallow was out there, they'd need to actually tackle him. Mm, well, if you see Shallow Cow in the green, yes, he deserves to be tackled by every security guard in attendance. No, no, no. It will probably be for very good reason. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, we'll put the Canadian Open in the rearview mirror and get back to talking U.S. Open here in a moment. But T-Mac, have you been doing any golf handicapping, any golf betting uh, in the 10 months or so since we last recorded the final episode of Right Click Print Money? Yeah, I've thrown a couple stabs out there in some tournaments. Nothing crazy. I don't even think I've done any um, true T-Max lotto tickets uh, or anything like that. Um, I've hit a couple each ways, but nothing nothing significant. All right. Well, we're happy to have you back in the fold for tonight talking U.S. Open. Um, hard to believe this is already our third major of the year. Second oldest major championship. We've already established T-Max favorite. Very tough ticket to get this week. Uh, only 22,000 tickets sold each day, which is the fewest in the modern history for the U.S. Open. But really and truly, when you strip out corporate sponsors and all the additional hangers on, there's only about 8,000 tickets per day for the general public. Shallow Cal, this is one I might like to have a ticket to. I'm I'm well established, you know, Masters and Open Championship are kind of the top tier for me of majors and, and ones I'd want to attend. But to get a ticket to L.A. Country Club would be pretty sweet. Yeah, man. Uh, so exclusive. <clears throat> uh, we actually know somebody uh, that we went to high school with who lives in the Beverly Hills area and has played it uh, quite a few times. Actually, I was talking to him a little bit about it and how uh, really hoping that um, that it plays and shows well. And uh, he's he said he's he's very he's one of the most incredible places that he's ever played. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it on TV. Um, boy, oh boy, what an incredibly expensive part of the country to mm. uh, attend something in. Like, geez, you, 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 you probably have some of the wealthiest people in the world living on this golf course and in that area. I mean, the Playboy Mansion abuts the golf course. <laughs> Yes. What is what? Uh, I forget what tee it's. Uh, what hole the tee it's off of? But um, it's like fourteen or something. 16. Yeah. Um, but even even the other. I mean, even the other houses that are on the course. You watch some of the flyovers, and holy fuck! I mean, like Jesus Christ! And not only like are they some of the biggest and nicest houses, but they're in the middle of fucking Beverly Hills, L.A. So they're worth you know ten times more that a house like that would be worth in say, you know, uh, you know, um, Oakland Hills or, or something around here. And I know Trevor can back that up being the real estate guru that he is. I don't think you need to be a real estate guru to know that <laughs> LA is more expensive than Detroit. Mm. Pretty I wonder why. 
But but I will. I, so do you guys remember that when I did uh, online lessons for about a year, uh, it didn't end up working out. But the guy I took lessons from, he actually is there in attendance and uh, he's been posting some pretty cool stuff on his Instagram. It looks nice. like a beautiful golf course. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to do a tournament preview and a course overview, as we always do. We'll roll through a few of the basics, but incorporate a more in conversation form this week for a major stats to consider, weather, things of that nature. And then, of course, tips, picks and best bets. But first, Shallow Cal, what do we need from the people? Uh, what do we need from the people? Uh, hit that like button. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Playing Tips Pod. Hit the subscribe button for the playing the tips podcast you can find us on stitcher spotify apple and google podcasts uh don't forget to download the episode leave us a review and again thanks to everybody i hope you really enjoy the u.s open and of course to all the dads out there happy father's day you deserve it what a guy uh, hit us up with those five-star reviews on Spotify. We need a few more over there. Uh, not able to leave a written review, but we will absolutely take all those five-star smashes. All right, tournament preview for the U.S. Open. We are on the edge of Tinseltown for the 123rd play-in of the United States Open Championship, and this the very first time it will be contested at Los Angeles Country Club. City of Angels, a regular stop on the PGA Tour annually, obviously for Tigers Tournament, the Genesis Open, but this is the first time LACC has hosted a PGA Tour event since the 1940 Los Angeles Open. It has previously hosted the Walker Cup in 2017, featuring Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa, Maverick McNeely. Also rotated through the Pac-12 championship, uh, most notably probably in 2013 with Max Homa and John Rahm playing here. Um, this is, as Shallow Cal noted and Trevor confirmed with his real estate expertise, among the wealthiest and most exclusive clubs in the entire country. Uh, ranks number 16 on Golf Digest Top 100 Courses in America. I'm excited to see this one. Shallow Cal, I know that you have watched multiple flyovers of the course, um, taken in all the sites, the angles. Start us off course overview with a 90 second summary or so of what you saw, what you learned from flyovers. Um, <clears throat> the first thing that's very striking is uh, the undulation. And obviously in California, you've got mountains and, you know, even at Riviera, it's it's a fairly undulating course. Um, but the the pitch in, in level here, uh, you know, in the fairways, up to the greens, down to, you know, downhill, uphill. It's, it's really something. Um, and not only that, the other thing that you see right away is the course looks like it was built in the twenties. It's got that old, um, you know, shaggy grass, you know, bunkers that have, you know, kind of, misshapen sharp edges not really um perfectly circular like you'll see in a lot of modern courses the greens have some odd shapes to them it's a cool interesting um looking course i would love to play it i don't know how i would get to play it but it's it's damn gorgeous it tells our only chance Truly one of the most exclusive clubs, and I would unfortunately lose a lot of respect for them if they let Cattell on that course. <laughs> it wouldn't be because of Cattell. It would be because of uh, Mary's uh, 
boss. <laughs> I won't name names. <laughs> <laughs> All right, T-Mac, what did uh, your course research tell you about LACC? I mean, in a simple recap, I mean, it's going to be very driven by the guys off the tee. It's a long course, guys that are good at 175 plus yards in on the approach. Uh, fairways aren't that tight. They're pretty wide open from my understanding. Uh, Bermuda fairways, bent grass greens, um, a couple really, really long par threes. Also a really, really short par three that I saw could be playing as short as 80 yards one day. Um, so some just really fun precision holes out there, as well as just some some ones that, uh, what's one of the par threes? They, they speculate it could be 310 uh, yards, depending where they where they put it. And, you know, they're going to roll out the green, so things are, are going to hit and roll, and it's going to make for some some very entertaining uh, golf. I don't think they want any, you know, I, I think they're, they're hoping people are, are, are near par. Or they're not, they're hoping for, for no crazy, crazy rounds. They want to, uh, to do the, the members proud in their first tournament here. I do not think we get lower than seven, eight under this week. Agreed. So this is a classical old style golf course, technical, if you will, all about the angles, maybe not so much a traditional U.S. open course because of some of what T-Mac alluded to, um, the wider fairways for one, um, dare I say even a linksy type test of golf. Definitely. Yeah. Lots of roll-offs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get a lot of open championship vibes from this. Uh, okay. Shallow Cal sounds like your flyover showed some of that undulation, those sloped fairways as well. Yeah, you can definitely use some of that to your advantage. Um, and it can also hurt you, obviously, as well. Um, it's, uh, you know, the guys that can move the ball both ways and take advantage of um, playing into the into the hills and um, holding them and uh, having the ball either move opposite or really with it and kind of using it as a slingshot. It, you know, yes, the fairways are wide and you're not going to get gobbled up, but um, you want to be in the right part of these fairways because if you're in the wrong part, you're going to have a tremendously difficult second shot into uh, into these greens. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, you know, not a typical U.S. Open course in that the fairways are wide. The rough is not overly penal, but I think both are very deceiving because, as you mentioned, Shallow Cal, if you miss fairways or even if you you hit fairways, but in kind of that wrong quadrant, uh, it's going to be really penal because of the I angles. Heard, I heard lanes, I, and I like that. You know, like the, you got different driving lanes that you're kind of aiming to hit. And if you hit the wrong one, you're fucked. I mean, I saw a Twitter video that Taylor made golf dropped a little bit ago where somebody was dropping balls, not in the rough this time, like a typical oh, U.S. Open. Way. Yeah, I saw that, too. Just right of center in the fairway. And I mean, that thing picked up speed and ran into the rough. It was unreal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So not only are you going to deal with a lot of that, but also blind, blocked shots. Again, if you're not hitting into those lanes, as Shallow Cal said, um, big numbers lurking out there for sure. Um, Barranca, T-Mac, did that word enter your vernacular at all during the research? Uh, yeah, so that's uh, like instead of the fescue, it's like the long shit, right? 
So barrancas are weird. <laughs> it's, it's essentially a dried out ditch. Shall I go? I was going to say, it's like a native area. It's like, uh, you know, you think of, of um, you know, like in Phoenix, where you have like that desert native area instead yep. of, you know, whatever rough or something, pine straw you have at Augusta. You have a California native area where it's going to be rocky and hard you've got some grass spots here and there and some 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 brush and and you know it's very strange it's very unique um and i I had listened to a podcast from a guy who had played uh here before and he had mentioned the barranca and uh he was kind of comparing it to um not (laughs) not saying it was a comparison he was saying you know he would prefer hitting out of barranca instead of fescue yeah, Barranca is weird because you're gonna get some some crazy lies in Barranca. Yeah. Um, deep gullies, arroyos with steep sides. You're gonna hear that word a lot on the telecast. That's gonna be a drinking game for a lot of different people during the LA Open. Barranca. Barranca. Uh, T Mac, I get a lot of uh, TPC Scottsdale vibes from LACC as well. From what I can see, what I've read, what I've listened to, um, as Shallow Cow mentioned, kind of that desert golf feel, a faster track, balls running out. Um, you've played TPC Scottsdale uh, for what I you've have. seen. Yeah, yeah. Fair comparison to LACC. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I hadn't really uh, made that comparison, but now that you mention it, it's kind of like a light goes off. Yeah, quite a bit of that. Um, you know, all we're missing are some grandstands. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, this golf course designed during kind of the golden age of golf architecture in the late, you know, early 19 teens into the 20s, 30s, kind of that golden period that we that we consider. Um, Shallow Cal, we've got some pretty famous architects on this one as well. Oh, man. Uh, George C. Thomas, who basically designed all of L.A. golf. Um, Bel Air, um, Riviera, and uh, North Course here at LACC. I mean, he's got to be like the the godfather around town, you know? Um, And then with Gil Hance and uh, Jeff Shackelford, the big, the big, big names. And um, they, and and Jim Wagner, um, they redesigned and renovated the course and restored it in 2009 and 2010. So, I mean, really the who's who of golf course design in that area. And obviously Hance um, had his hands and, and his team had his hands all over Southern Hills. Um, last year with that restoration and you saw just how incredible they really did and watch some of the flyovers it's worth it it's worth the 20 minutes of your time they did they they really made this course look like you're playing in 1920 it's incredible and it is one of the more um picturesque courses that you'll see yeah, and, and Southern Hills is another interesting one. I can see a bit of Southern Hills here, obviously, with the ties between the two and Gil Hance renovations. The greens don't feature as thick of rough uh, as they do at Southern Hills, but uh, or excuse me, here at um, LACC, but big collection areas, both places to catch the ball. 
Um, also, Aranamink, another course that Hans has got his uh, hands all over. Um, just outside of Philly, it's hosted a PGA Championship, formerly the BMW Championship as well, AT&T National. Uh, so some interesting tie-ins there also. Um, I want to spend just a little bit more time on the agronomy um, because we've got some obviously you know, incredible strains out here, as you would imagine, from a country club in L.A. Everything yeah. done absolutely top notch. <laughs> um, so fairways first, uh, Tiffway to Bermuda grass. This is shortest winter dormancy of all hybrid Bermudas. You're going to get this grass green much longer into fall and importantly, greening up earlier in the spring. We're now well into the golf season, obviously not as much of an issue anymore, but a really good grass to extend seasons and particularly well suited uh, to the California coast. It is drought resistant, requires very little water compared to cool season grasses like fescue. Um, so... Yeah, go ahead. So what you're telling me is there's no Kakuya? Unfortunately, we are sans Kakuya this week. Oh, man. <laughs> I do think you're going to get a ton of run out of these fairways. Yeah. Uh, that's, again, where I think some of that open linksy test of golf comes in here. Um, they're wide, but, man, you better be in the right lanes. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know... <laughs> I will say for for the rough, uh, just to add a little bit on, you know, you said it's not overly penal, um, and I would tend to agree with you. The length of the grass is really what is you know super intimidating. You dry and and the way that the Bermuda grass kind of um, grows, the ball tends to not get propped up, and it sits all the way down. So you don't get any of these propped up lies um, that you'll see a lot of in some of these other thicker grasses, but it just kind of goes all the way down and it's extremely difficult to put any type of spin movement um, and, and good club contact on the ball. Yeah, that's a lot of that Bandera Bermuda. Um, same turf as the Rose Bowl at Levi's Stadium in San Francisco. Again, another strand very typical of the West Coast. Um, I think some of what you're describing, Calo Cal, lends itself to the fact that this grass rapidly establishing, but fast recovery as well from turf damage. So you get a lot of kind of growth on top of growth uh, with Bandera, Bermuda. And so we are going to see some balls disappearing for sure. Again, I don't think, you know, typically what we think of a U.S. Open, the really thick, long, lush, rough, but more kind of like bird nesty almost, if you will. Yeah. Uh, all right, greens a little bit there quickly as well. This is pure distinction bent grass. Um, <clears throat> pure distinction, one of the latest advances in bent grass, bright green in color, dense, upright, very aggressive growth. And somebody playing some background music for me? That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and importantly, less thatch than most strains of Bermuda, uh, than bent grass, excuse me, easy to maintain. Um, what do you think, Shallow Cal? Any, anything else about as pure of bent grass as you're going to see outside of Augusta? Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. You know, you, you, you see, you see certain types of, of bent grass here. Um, I know that a lot of the courses around us in uh, the Metro Detroit area utilize, uh, the bent grass 
and even some, you know, toss a little bit of that northern uh, poa in there. This is completely different. Um, you know, we're taught how to read grains and how to putt on the the bent grass up here, and this is this is completely different. This ball and, the, and these balls are going to roll so pure. You're you're really not. Um, I mean, 13 at the start of the tournament. That's fast. Um, if they're only going to get faster, and and you know how how quick the the bent grass is here. T-Mac, you've played Washtenaw, bent grass greens, incredibly difficult. So, very, very difficult. Yes. So uh, I'm, I'm very interested to see, um, especially, you know, with the U.S. Open, usually we see a, a lot of greens that are a bit smaller. They've got some, some larger greens here, and these lag putts are going to be incredibly difficult. You know, we saw John Rahm four putt the first hole at Augusta and then go on to win. You know, every there are going to be players who unexplicably just, you know, roll this ball 10, 15 feet past. So interesting, uh, interesting to see this bent grass and how it will play out. A lot of elevated greens, large collection areas that are going to repel balls back into the fairway. You've also got some tricky greenside bunkers, often guarded with that fescue, kind of a Marion U.S. Open type of feel. Uh, T-Mac, we threw out a couple courses that Gil Hans has touched with renovations. Um, anything else that you looked at in terms of comp courses or good guides possibly for LACC? Uh, you know, I didn't really go down the comp course uh, uh, route. I just kind of did all my research on this one and, uh, of course, had some fun uh, – looking at some history of U.S. Open uh, events. Excellent. So I'll throw a couple more in there in addition to TPC Scottsdale. Uh, I think because of the topography and the elevation changes, Kapalua, um, host of the Century Tournament of Champions, is a pretty good comp here for the way that the fairways slope and run away from you. Um, Augusta, as we've mentioned as well, I think if you strip out kind of all the patrons uh, that like we saw in, in the one in 2020 at Augusta, you know, you really can appreciate the topography there. I think similarly, if you have those shots at LA country club, um, very, very similar layouts there. Shallow Cal, uh, any other comp courses on your radar? Uh, Shinnecock. Mm. No. I Absolutely. Like, Fast, I like, fiery course. I like Shinnecock. Um, and then uh, Southern Hills as well. Like you said, the topography uh, um, of Kapalua. I like the topography of Southern Hills as well. Um, you know, a little bit of different of a course, but in a sense, you know, with the Creek that runs through Southern Hills and the Barranca here, um, you know, I, I think these courses will definitely play quite a bit similar. I think I'm in agreement and I like that for one of my picks coming up. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> foreshadowing folks <laughs> uh this really is a hidden gem um that we have not had a chance to kind of peel back the curtain and, and see behind very much at all the usga has been trying to host a u.s open here forever the members membership has been very reluctant um the north course in particular has been coveted for being a major test Got the U.S. Open coming back in 2039, and we're also going to see a women's U.S. Open here, too, uh, before that in 2032. So it's going to be fun to see L.A. Country Club in a few different settings uh, here in the next couple decades. 
Um, what else, T-Mac, from, from your research, from your history of U.S. Open that you stumbled upon? Well, you know, I was just having some fun looking at uh, some of the things like there hadn't been a playoff in the last 14 uh, U.S. Opens. I think last time was uh, Tiger versus uh, Rocco. Um, you know, we, we've had haven't had a uh, U.S. winner in the last two years. So uh, if we do have a, a third uh, winner from uh, from Europe, we're looking at uh, the first time that's happened since I uh, think World War Two. So just some kind of fun stuff. Uh, also keeping in mind that uh, in the first two majors of the year, Brooks Kepka is 17 under combined with eight under at the Masters, nine under the PGA, Hovland 13, Scotty at 11 under. I think these three guys are looking for uh, easy top 10 finishes and are guys that are just uh, looking to to pounce and uh, and pull one in here. Big time golfers. Um, well, since we were talking kind of in the realm of trends, let me just stick there quickly and add a few on. Last 10 winners of the U.S. Open have been inside the top 30 of the official world golf rankings. Last 10 U.S. Open winners also had a previous top 25 at the event. Eight of the 10 have a top 10 in one of their two previous starts immediately prior to a U.S. Open. And lastly, um, this is a little bit of kind of a jumping off spot for guys looking to break through and kind of win that first major. Only three of the last 10 winners of a U.S. Open had won a major previously. Now, I can't remember if I saw this correctly, but didn't Homa shoot like a 62 here in college? He owns... Can you just wait until we make our damn picks so you don't spill <laughs> this shit all over the place? Damn it, Trevor. Well, you asked me about my research. This is what I researched. You just bring, you, we bring you back on, and then you go and ruin our uh, our, our our narrative plays here. Damn it. Ruin up the flow. Yeah. <laughs> so, <Hi>. yes. <laughs> he shot a course record 61 here in 2013 in the Pac-12 championships. That's awesome. Yeah, it sure is. Um, Post-renovation too, right? Yes, yes, post-renovation. Um, all right, admittedly, I didn't lean so much into stats to consider this week since we know so little about LA Country Club, both as a venue and then certainly as a major U.S. Open test. Um, I looked more for a type of golfer, but Shallow Cal, anything in particular in terms of your your traditional strokes gained uh, stats to consider? Um. I looked, I mean, obviously, current form right now is huge. Um, I just I just don't think you're going to come into a, a course that you don't see normally. And, well, I mean, I guess you could. If it really fits your eye, it fits your eye, and you're going to have a great week. But if you're not playing great G, I just don't see you starting to play great G here. Um I really like three putt avoidance. Like I said, these greens are a little bit bigger. They're going to be running super fast. Um, I like the guys who are going to be uh, good and not making uh, a lot of errors on the putting surface. T to green, comp course history, ball striking approach, all those we all know um, that you're going to play with. So, but my one kind of out of the out of the ordinary three putt avoidance. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. T-Mac, anything for you in terms of uh, stats to consider this week? Yeah, so I was looking at strokes gained on the approach uh, from 175 yards in. 
and strokes gained off the tee being the two biggest uh, ones that I looked at just because I do think the the this course favors the long hitter. Uh, you can use driver on pretty much every par four or par five. And, uh, you know, that, that long distance approach. Web, and, Simpson. You know, Web, Web Simpson can use driver on uh, every single hole but one here. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, those those are two that I really consider this week. Yeah, I'm with you. Strokes gained off the tee, total driving, probably my primary um, stats if I'm looking at any. I just really think that it's going to take a combination. I don't think that this course is going to be overpowered by the biggest hitters, maybe as we've seen a little bit in recent years with both U.S. Opens, PGAs, even the the Masters, to be perfectly honest. But I think accuracy is going to be a big key here and really targeting some of those lanes in the fairways. Yep. I want creative shot shapers, um, guys who are just good with their irons, can work it both ways, left to right. Um, angles, angles, angles are really going to be a big deal here at LACC. And I want guys who can, again, kind of move that ball at will and get around some of the blockades, you know, take on some of these blind shots. Um, short game for me as well, whether you want to go strokes gained around the T, uh, excuse me, around the green or just strictly strokes gained short game. I think, um, you know, we're going to miss a lot of greens here. And so that's going to be key. And then I think putting, um, you just are not gonna have a negative week putting and win a U.S. open championship. Fair enough. All right. Weather very quickly, and then we'll make some picks. Uh, it's LA, so it's going to be perfect. Uh, pretty much <laughs> the entire time. Uh, you go ahead. What? Yeah, nothing really to contend with. We're going to see highs in the low to mid 70s most of the week. Uh, lows only into the 60s. Very minimal wind. I will say May 19th was the last time that we really had any significant rainfall in the immediate area. So, again, I do think this course is going to play firm and fast. There's going to be a ton of run out. It's going to help some of those shorter hitters. I do get a lot of Shinnecock vibes from 2017, I believe it was, uh, 2018 um, at Shinnecock. Um, and I think, yeah, we're just we, we don't really have much to, to contend with in the way of weather this week. All right, gentlemen, all that's left then is to make some picks. Uh, we've each got cards this week. Good to be back talking three cards on the podcast again. Uh, before we get into it, the field breakdown quickly. We got 156 players, often considered the very best field in all of golf, a true open qualifier. Importantly, only the top 60 in ties make the weekend, not top 65 this week. Um, all three of us don't start our cards until almost into the 20s. So before we get into the picks did anyone consider what i will call the new big three of scheffler rom and kepka at the top of the betting market we'll start with you shallow cal click brooks kepka so you did it you added him i added him <laughs> taking brooks 11 to 1 win only this dude is is he made a decision to go to live and it was the best decision that he could have made. And I think we've seen that this guy gets up for four golf tournaments a year. He only has to play four tournaments a year. Now, I mean, he, he plays the other ones, right? But those are exhibitions. 
And he has the talent to kind of just get through those. And we've seen that he kind of does just get through those and goes through the motions. Um, Brooks is an incredibly competitive person. He is fully healthy and he is damn good at golf. And this setup very much favors him and his game. He won at Shinnecock. He has a chance, and I think he will win here. Brooks Kepka, 11 to 1. So I texted you this a couple times. We talked about it immediately before the show. Brooks Kepka winning the 2023 United States Open would be among the least surprising things that we could hear in the world of golf this week, I think. Yeah, and then I think the other two uh, least surprising thing, uh, John Rahm or Scotty Scheffler wins the U.S. Open. <laughs> T-Mac, you consider any of those three? Yeah, I mean, I, I think – Shuffler, this is going to be a tournament that he is is primed to win. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought about him. I thought about Rom. I thought about Kepka. But, uh, you know, one of the things I love about golf betting is the long, long odds, even just like 17 to 1. I mean, you don't see that in any other sport. So um, it just doesn't entice me as much. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and unfortunately, that's been a part of my struggles this year with that strategy, and a lot of the top guys winning a lot of the biggest events, unfortunately, when I'm not willing to go that that high on the odds board. <laughs> right, and then, you know, then it's, you consider, what is, like, Shuffler this week? What, what's he at? Uh, He's at six and a half. Yeah, six so and imagine half, seven, getting one. a six and a half to one bet on a football team or something like that. I mean, you would take that every damn day, but... Then again, it's a little different when you have like 146 people in the field compared to two teams, but that's why we love it, though. It's a great, great, uh, you know, it's fun. And one of the ones where, you know, you can throw a dollar on a bet and walk away with some pretty good money. No doubt about it. I do think that if Scotty Scheffler even has a field average week putting, he's going to win this probably by a couple strokes. It is just incredible, the performance, really historical, that he's putting together this season from tee to green. It's just a ball-striking display and uh, just a game of golf that we really haven't seen since Tiger in his prime. And if he can just not lose strokes putting, if he can just be field average, I'm not sure that anybody's close to Scotty Scheffler this week. Now, that's a big if, though, shallow cow. Mm-hmm. And uh, we looked at that. We looked at that stat where, you know, his his first putt proximity to the hole is is up there in the top ten on tour. Um, but like you love to point out, he hasn't got problems from long distance. He's got problems from inside five feet where he's you know racking that first putt proximity up real close because you know. He's leaving it two inches short or two inches left or two inches right. So we'll see. Can he convert those birdie putts? That's uh, That remains to be seen. And his putting is definitely in question. Um, it's not like he's – I mean, he's, he's losing – he's losing tournaments because of his putter. And he's in them because of everything else. So 
Does his putter show up this week? We'll see. Anybody consider Rory? No. <laughs> T-Mac? No, not really. I got to be honest. I really couldn't get there either. I just feel bad for Rory, man. He's kind of floundering. Rory's, Rory's he took a, a lot on his shoulders, uh, you know, and the very people that he he defended screwed him over. It was really unfortunate. Right now, Rory is Mowgli in that basket floating down the river at the beginning of Jungle Book because the PTA <laughs> wow. Tour just kind of cast him aside. Yeah, that's they really did. All right, well, let's get let's back to making some picks. Um, yeah. I will uh, jump in next here. I think I'm, uh, I am the shortest then from Callow's recent uh, live ad of 11 to 1 Brooks Kepka. Uh, I've got Patrick Cantlay. Three points at 17 to 1. I'm going to read a quote that you have almost assuredly seen on golf Twitter this week because everybody's had it. It's from Gil Hans, and he says, I think the winner here is going to be somebody cerebral, somebody who thinks about their angles. So, angles again. And when I think of a cerebral golfer, it's like me in the bed. <laughs> definitely not you on the golf course. <laughs> Um, about four or five guys come to mind immediately. Um, Matthew Fitzpatrick, a Victor Hovland, um, Patrick Cantlay, honestly, Spieth, a little bit of that as well. Absolutely. Um, I just think this course fits his MO, um, his makeup. He's very calculated. He does well on these tracks that favor angles like a Harbor town had a lot of success out there. Um, I think his driver is going to be a huge asset here. As I mentioned, I'm really leaning into total driving this week. He is first in total driving this season, second in strokes gained off the tee. Importantly, he is both long and straight. Um, This is a lengthy, beefy par 70. Um, And so having the ability to not only take that on, but the placement in the correct portions of the fairway, I think is going to be huge. Irons have been a strength and been good of late, again, gaining on approach six of his last seven. He's a great bent grass putter. All six of his PGA Tour wins actually have come on bent grass. A lot of that in the Northeast, which is a different variety, but still in that bent grass family. And I will just kind of end on this piece. I think that the narrative that Patrick Cantlay doesn't perform in majors has sort of become a tired, lazy golf Twitter narrative. Um, He has been T14 or better each of the last four majors, including T8 at the Open last summer and T9 last month at Oak Hill. Um, I get it that he hasn't seriously contended at any of these majors, but if you look at some of the first-time breakthrough winners in a major, a lot of whom have come in recent years, the U.S. Open and PGA Championship, it fits Patrick Cantlay to a T. The performance leading in, the makeup of their games, kind of the time, the place in their careers, I think that he's just knocking on the door and he's going to smash it, kick it down one of these days, and we're all going to be like, well, you know, that was a stupid narrative. (laughs) So I'm on Cantlay, 3.17 to 1, throwing some strokes gain, Joe LaCava, which I do think still comes around, and the fact that he fired a 62 at L.A. Country Club, one worse than Max Homa's record, while a uh, standout at UCLA is a nice piece as well. Cali kid. Valley kid, Cali kid. Yep. 
All right, I'm going to turn it back over to both of you uh, because you are on a golfer that you both have bet a lot, like to bet a lot. No surprise, really, that you're both on him here as well with the opportunity to do so in a major. 30-1 to for both of you on Cam Smith. T-Mac, we'll start with you. I mean, ever since I hated Cam Smith for, I can't even remember who he beat out to screw me in the bet. Stuart um, Sink it was a, it was a at the RBC oh, Heritage. Right. It was like he 200 for like one, 17 or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, happy to see him back, uh, you know, being able to bet him. I always get excited to see that mullet out there. Um, so yeah, I, I jumped all over Cam Smith. Uh, I think some of these live guys uh, could could perform this this week. Hello, Cal. What say you about the man from the sand belt? Boy, is that short game sexy. Mm, it's going to be fun watching him play out of Barranca. I will say that. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, fuck off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he does tend to spray the driver a little bit, which kind of worries me. Um, but you know what? Uh, he won the British Open. He's got great history at Augusta. Um, his wedge play and approach play is phenomenal. Um, you know, the real question with Cam has always been, how is that T T ball going to play? So we'll see. Um, but I love the fact that this dude, when he puts the ball, he is the best putter on planet earth. And boy, oh boy. Do you need a good putter on some of these greens? These greens are just like Augusta. We saw how he handled those. So I think he is most uh, most likely to take on these greens and win. So give me Cam Smith 30 to 1. This feels like a great Cam Smith course. And I only said that comment about Barranca half in jest <laughs> because I, I am I am truly worried about his driver here. I, I thought you were I thought you were making a spraying the driver joke. I am worried about that. I am worried about that here for Cam Smith. But if he does find himself in Barranca, I mean, I think he I mean, just his creativity, the fact that, again, he. He grew up playing in the sand belt in Australia. I think he's going to be great around some of these difficult, you know, positions that a lot of other golfers would find themselves in. I think he's going to feel very much at home in, in a lot of those. Agreed. All right, I'll go next. I'm two points each way on Jordan Spieth, 28-1. to 1. I cannot believe, Shallow Cal, that I'm on Jordan Spieth in a major and you're not with me. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that either. I am involving him heavily in uh, a lot of DFS lineups. However, ah, man, I don't know. I, I just, I just don't know. And, and, and you need a creative and cerebral player at this course. Right. And if anybody is going to talk out a shot over five and a half minutes long, it's going to be Jordan Greller, you know, um, Man, I like the bet. I really do. I really, really do. Because the only thing that's not good for him right now or not great for him right now is the driver. Yeah, but he hasn't been bad either. And he's actually been good with the driver recently. So, 
he showed great at Harbortown. Again, heartbreaking. Um, but I'll, you know, I'll 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 let you take it away on Spieth, and I hope he wins. Or, you know, if my golfers don't, because I love the dude. Yeah, little sporadic with the driver, but not as bad maybe as it would seem to play out on TV. Um, he's gaining off the tee in four of his last six, and even the two where he lost, uh, both missed cuts, unfortunately, at Wells Fargo and Charles Schwab, but they were minimal uh, losses off the tee. Just feels like a speed course to me. It's going to require that wizardry around the greens. I think that's really going to play here, his short game. Creative shot making, as you said, the angles. Bentgrass has always been his best putting surface as well, and so I am actually more worried about the putter than I am the driver. He's losing strokes on the green his last four, but I'm hoping that a return to Bentgrass kind of spurs him on here a little bit. He does love a difficult test of golf, too. Um, U.S. Open winner obviously proves that. Um, Looking to replicate a pretty ridiculous stretch of golf. It's been kind of a wild last nine tournaments for uh, Jordan Spieth. Five tournament stretch from early March to mid-April. He gained strokes in every single one of the major categories. Tee to green, off the tee, approach, around the green, putting, and total. With one exception, which was off the tee at the players. Um, He had four top fours during that stretch and also was T19 at the players. Just a ridiculous run, but the key was the putter. He was phenomenal on the greens during that four-tournament stretch, that uh, five-tournament stretch. Four tournaments since, lost strokes putting in each, as mentioned, missed the cut in two of those, lost strokes around the green in three of four. That is worrisome, but even in this stretch here recently, he has been good off the tee. He's been very good with his irons, and overall, tee to green, he's been solid. So if you're telling me that those three are in line and in shape for Jordan Spieth, I will take a little bit of variance in the short game and the putter because I think a setting and a test like this is going to bring out the very best in those clubs. So I'm on, I'm on Spieth. I love the comp course piece as well. I'll talk about this with a few of my other picks. But he won the Masters once, I think. He has performed incredibly well at the Masters with a win in five other top fives at Augusta. <laughs> um, he's got a win and three top tens at Kapalua, four top tens at Phoenix. I just think it makes a ton of sense this week for Spieth. Team actor. <laughs> You're a little bit longer with the next one. You go Tony Finau, 35 to 1. Yeah, 35 to 1. I think he's been playing some really good golf. Uh, I just think this would be one of those stories just to see someone like him finally break through here and win a major. Um, I think that'd be incredible. But uh, a couple things to consider, you know, approaches from uh, 200 to, uh, to 225. He's fourth. Um, strokes gained approaching the green. He is fifth, uh, greens and regulation percentage 12th. Uh, he's just, he's playing the best golf we've seen Tony Finau play. He's been playing really good tournaments. Um, I'm, I'm thinking he could pop off one here, which would just make for a great story. Big tone winning his first major would be an incredible story. He has flown very much under the radar this week. I think 35 is a pretty decent number on him. Interested to see if if Big Tone can put it all together for a major. Mm-hmm. Shallow Cal, we'll go to you next. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton, 40 to 1. Um, can you name me a golfer who is gaining more strokes 
all over the golf course in the last three months than this guy? He has been playing some incredible golf without a win. I will give you that. It is insane. And I know me and you have both been on him in the past few months multiple times. I mean, he's just gaining strokes everywhere. And I can't believe it hasn't come together for a a full – a, a full four rounds um, and it's coming. He, he is a cerebral player as angry as he gets. I believe that he does play well around courses like this. He is fiery. He is intense. And I think that's a good thing when he can harness that. And I think in the past few months, he really has harness that and it shows in that strokes gain data he's gaining all over the place and i just don't understand how it hasn't i mean he's he's missed wins barely so it's got to come on a course like this i think with with a little bit of linksy feel to it tyrell hatton can definitely uh be victorious and i got the anti-post number so i only get five places but I get him at 40 to one. So that's well worth it. Old Tyrrell got to be kicking himself after that double bogey on eight Sunday, missing the playoff by one stroke. Um, that one hurt because he went nuts on the back nine just to put himself in contention. I'm really struggling with Tyrrell for fantasy this week, uh, daily and DFS, mostly because I worry about the eject. Uh, it is hard to argue that there's been many golfers on the planet playing better than Tyrrell Hatton the last four or five weeks. I am just very worried at a U.S. Open test. We have seen Tyrrell Hatton eject before in lesser tournaments. I, I just worry if it goes south, he's not going to be able to harness it, shallow cow, because I was interested, I, particularly at those anti-post numbers we were looking at over the weekend. Yeah, 40-1 to 1 to me with the way that he's been playing was just too good on the anti-post to, to pass up. Um, and I think, you know, I think he's still got that fire, but I think he's maybe harnessed that a little bit differently. Um and 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 hopefully this course will suit his eye and he'll be able to uh to get it done. Not crazy at all. Very high ceiling for Mr. Hatton. Um, all, he's all over my DFS lineups too at his price. He, <laughs> is, he is right there. I mean, he's less expensive than the Speeths. I think he's right in line there with Hideki. Um I think, you know, it, with setting your lineups, I think that Hatton is a great um, is a great play, and I think that Hideki is also in there is is a fantastic play. If you want to maybe potentially throw in two lesser costing guy uh, guys that cost a little bit less than uh, you know having a, a a top tier guy in there. T-Mac, we skipped over your 30-1 to 1 because we're going to lump him in with some anti-posts uh, at a, a little bit bigger number here shortly. <clears throat> so we'll go back to you for a 40-1 to 1 on Dustin Johnson. Yeah, I just, uh, again, I'm following some storylines this week, hoping uh, to see some stuff. Dustin Johnson just always plays the U.S. Open really, really well. Um, 
And uh, I think it'd be kind of fun to see one of these live guys come in here and perform. Uh, what, 24th uh, last year, 19th at Torrey Pines the year before that, 6th at uh, Winged Foot. I mean, he's had a couple a uh, couple times where he's been dancing here, but uh, it seems to be the last round has always been kind of his uh, his nemesis, uh, which maybe that's why Liv is great for him. But uh, I don't know. I could, I could see him uh, coming focused and coming to play this uh, this week. U.S. Open golf gods may still owe him one as well after Chambers Bay and letting that one get away. Yeah, so I, I think it's... Uh, yeah, Chambers Bay, yeah, he took second on that one. I mean, Shinecock, he took third. I mean, it's – he. this would be a fun one to see him do uh, do well. No doubt about it. I always like DJ. I heard an interesting take just very quickly um, on the radio the other day. There is going to be a much easier path back to the PGA Tour for some of these live guys compared to others. Dustin Johnson is a guy who has just stayed out of the spotlight. He's kept his head down, shows up, performs his duties for Liv, goes back and parties his brains out with Paulina Gretzky and lives the dream life. Not stirring any controversy, not getting in people's faces, you know, making inflammatory remarks. Uh, I, I, for one, am going to be happy and excited to have Dustin Johnson back on the PGA Tour at some point or playing PGA Tour events, I should say. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right, I'll jump back in here next. Uh, I'm going one and a half points each way on Hideki Matsuyama at 40 to one. I actually cashed out uh, an anti-post 48 to one on Hideki because it was win only, um, and I had the each way number come in at a bit shorter odds. I think tit for tat, it's almost even. If Hideki were to win outright, um, I'd be within just a couple of units, actually probably short of that original 48 to one, but with seven places on the each way, um, could pretty mm. for Hideki. There, you'd definitely be there because you're getting uh, you're getting a fifth, so that's eight units. So you'd be getting 48 units total. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. So it'd be a straight wash. Um, yeah. Plus, I pick up the ability to collect that each way. So ultimately, that's what I was that's what I was trying to get to. That I I cashed it out to get those seven places. Um, loves a difficult test of golf. Obviously, a Masters champion. Um, he's got seven top twenties at Augusta. Played really well on some of those other comp courses I mentioned at the top of the, of the show. He's got three top fives at Kapalua. Obviously, his record at Phoenix, if you believe that is going to be a pretty good look, um, is immaculate. He's got two wins as well as a second, a fourth, and an eighth. Good on bent grass. Um, obviously, his master's win came on the surface. He's actually been very good with the putter of late, gaining in five of his last six. Um, always been a tee to green machine, which is what you want at a U.S. Open, gaining in nine of his last ten there. Also very good on approach recently, gaining in his last seven. I just couldn't pass up the number on Hideki Matsuyama anywhere in the 40s at a major championship. I felt like a ton of value. You give me seven places with the each way. I'm all over that. You, know, you, you, you put him 284 yards away from the hole with a three wood in his hand, and I can remember a few dreams he crushed uh, <laughs> with that. Um, so, yeah, I like that. Get Russell Henley. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm still sour about that shit. <laughs> oh, well, Shallow Cal, hopefully 
Our next golfer we're going to talk about is going to turn around your feelings, but given how he has played lately, I'm not sure. <laughs> man, we man. are we are both on Justin Thomas, uh, 45 to one. Probably safe to say as much of a numbers play as anything for both of us because it has not been pretty recently. So here are I will read you my notes word for word from the paper. JT, 45. That's it. That's all. <laughs> um, but, I mean, as far as, uh, as, as, as far as recent form goes, man, it's not there. But, but there is something that we can lean on. Uh, if he does have a win at Southern Hills, which um, he probably should have and could have gone a lot lower on um, if it weren't for some weird hiccups and mishaps, like that stone shank that he had uh, on the par three. Um, Yeah, 45 on JT. It's purely a numbers play, and that's it. That's all. It's wild to see, and there was even 50s on JT when when the markets reset on Monday morning. Um, not hard to see why it has not been pretty of late. He has zero wins on tour this season. He's only got two top tens. This is probably the most striking of all. He is 78th in the FedEx Cup standings, 78th. He wouldn't play in the FedEx Cup playoffs at that current number. So, so he's got some work to do. He does. It's a good place to start. Um, I will say results haven't been there, but there is a little bit to lean into of late. He's gaining strokes off the tee in six of his last seven, which was obviously a huge issue for him earlier this season, wayward with the driver. He was also, so locked off the tee. Oh, it was bad. So I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by gaining in six of seven. Um, gaining in six of seven as well. Strokes gained approach. Always been one of the best irons players on the planet. If he can get those dialed in this week and hit a bunch of greens and not have to deal with a bunch of that nonsense and a bunch of the short game and balls repelling him down to those collection areas, I think he's going to give himself a chance. I think, I think with what I know and what I can tell about this course, there are sneaky JT vibes at LA Country Club. Southern Hills, Southern Hills, Southern Hills. Totally. I mean, the Gil Hance renovation, we touched on it earlier. He's got two wins at Kapalua, you know, three additional top fives there, three top 12 finishes at Augusta, been one of his better majors, three top fives, four top tens at Phoenix. I, it just, this is not purely a numbers play for me. I should not classify it that way because I do think that there are sneaky JT vibes at LA Country Club. And I like this play, particularly at 45 to one. I do as well, but that was how I had to rationalize it to myself is that <laughs> if they're going to hang a 45 on JT, you got to punish them. This is like Brooks Kepka 55, 60 at the waste management in the Phoenix open, right? You got to punish the books for hanging that number out there. And for a player like JT who can be that fucking good, you got to punish them for for putting a 45 out there. And that's what I hope we do. 
this would make up a lot for me for everything that I have done in blindly following and betting JT this year. It would make up for the plays at the PGA Championship, at the Masters. It would make up for missing that 25 to 1 number a couple years ago at the players. This would get me whole and right with JT. I will take a 45 to 1 win at a point and a half each way. All right, gentlemen. This is the one we've been waiting for. We have one opportunity this week, one only, with TMAC back on the show for the first time in 10 months to get ourselves a team win. And it is not surprising at all who we have targeted for this team win because I think we settled this in one of the final shows that we did together as a as a uh, trio for right-click print money. I believe it is now two team wins on Max Homa between the three of us, the 2021 Genesis Invitational, the 2022 Fortinet Championship, I believe it was. No, I'm sorry, the 2021 Fortinet as well, that following fall season. So, T-Mac, you start us off on our guy, Max Homa. Shallow Cal and I are on at anti-post numbers of 50 to 1. You join the party this week at a bit shorter, but still a very good 30 to 1 compared to what a lot of people were grabbing at Homa at um, a couple months ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to bet on Max Homa after my gigantic win with him. So, of course, I was going to hop on, on with him. Uh, he's got a couple stats that are looking okay. Uh, you know, he's doing pretty good at uh, his scrambling and shots around the green, finishing at 26 and 31st. Um, scrambling from the rough, he's uh, he's not doing too bad there either. Um, in the in the top uh, top 25 in the field here. Um, and then off the tee, he had some interesting stats: total driving being 39th, and uh, strokes gained tee to green 17th. Um, so he's got some good distance. I'm liking the way he's been playing. This could be another one of those guys that, uh, that just sneaks in here. And, uh, for that number, for my boy, I was grabbing it all day. John Maxwell Homa. What else you got to add? Shallow Cal. I don't think he's sneaking in anywhere anymore. Um, Cali kid, tough course. Um, like you said, his around the green game is 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 very good. He knows this place. He knows the angles. Kello, didn't is, he shoot a sixty-one? He is <laughs> LA. Yeah, he shot a sixty-one here. You took that. I, I deleted that from my notes because you already fucking said it. <laughs> He's got the course fucking record here for Christ's sakes. Um, yeah, Max Homa, man. Um, he knows how to play. He, he plays well on bent grass greens, probably his best surface, I would say. Um, and yeah, like, like, like the, the, the iron play is there. The, the, the driving is, is what I'm a little bit worried with his accuracy, but with a little bit wider fairways, a little bit more forgiveness here. Yes, it's 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 imperative to be accurate here, but it's not death by rough. Um, and I think Homa can handle this. And I think that Homa's scrambling, his around the green game, and his putting can really uh, really stand up here. And I bet him at fifty to one when he was on the middle of his heater. Uh, earlier, what was it? 
Was it December? Uh, no, was it, January. Was it January? Okay. Yeah, it was January. And uh, they hung a 50 to 1. We knew he was playing in LA. Cali Kid, let's do it. 50 to 1. I, I that's that's again, it's like JT at 45, home at 50 was kind of a, a, a no brainer for me. I can tell you exactly what day I bet Max Homa at 50 to 1. It was Thursday. The exact same day I bet him because I remember talking about it. Yes, and this was actually the Thursday of the Farmers Insurance Open, January 25th, uh, before the tournament started. I don't know what compelled me that specific day to grab Homa at the U.S. Open, but he was definitely in a good run of form coming off a third place finish at the century tournament of champions. The fall had obviously been good to him with the win at the Fortinet, um, a couple other top twenties there. And I just, I, for whatever reason felt like he was going to go well at farmers. Uh, he's one of my two outrights this season at the farmers insurance open. And I just grabbed that number at 50 on that Thursday and lo and behold, he wins the tournament. And I mean, literally by that Monday morning, it was 25s everywhere on Max Homa at the U.S. Open. It was crazy. <laughs> I don't have a ton to add here beyond that. Uh, comp course performance is mentioned third at Kapalua this year. He's also had a sixth place finish at the 2020 Phoenix Open. Listen, if I'm being completely and totally honest, if I didn't have an anti-post bet on Max Homa. No, same, same. I'm not certain I would do it this week i'm not saying i wouldn't what if they what if there was the max homa 50 hanging out there right now would you bet that i would i would today absolutely okay but obviously not the 25s or 30s not the 25s. I'm not saying I wouldn't bet the 30s this week. It would just give me a lot more pause than the emotion of placing that bet back in January. That is for certain. Same, same as I believe the kids say. But I'll tell you what, as we talked about in the group text when we were formulating the plan to get the band back together this week, if Max Homa does this for us and we get a third team win on him, uh, we're playing golf on Monday and Shallow Cal is cooking ribeyes for dinner. Can't wait. That is <laughs> definitely in happening. Bart, in the voice of Bart Scott. Can't wait. Can't wait. I've All already right. got my Monday tea time at Polo Fields ready. <laughs> I love the prep. Um, all right, I've only got one play left on the card. I didn't go terribly deep this week at the U.S. Open, so let me finish off here. This is actually a second anti-post play of the week for me. I'm one point each way on Tommy Fleetwood, Tommy Ladd, uh, 66 to 1, out to five places. <clears throat> Um, another guy that I just had good vibes about, I say anti-post, I mean, it was Sunday morning before the final round of the Canadian Open just a couple days ago, but before he made that run on Sunday and really and truly probably should have won that in regulation, just needing a birdie on the 497-yard par 5, but I digress, actually happy it worked out the way it did because no one has ever won a tournament the week before the U.S. Open and then gone on to win the U.S. Open. But I did grab that nice 66 before it crashed hard into the 40s when markets reset the next morning. Good show in the majors for Tommy Ladd. Uh, he's got a fourth and a second place finish on his resume at the U.S. Open in 2017, 2018. Um, also second and fourth at the Open Championship in 2019, 2020. 
not only was it it was a a second at shinnecock too which is definitely comp course absolutely and a big reason why important a big reason why i like tommy ladd here is because of that performance on shinnecock on the fast fiery track i do think we're going to see them play very similarly um that course will play very similarly to la country club um, firm fast means that a lack of distance for Tommy Ladd, not going to be a huge detriment this week. He's always been a very creative shot shaper as evidenced by those top five finishes in the open championship. Um, I just think if this does wind up being a Lynx style test of golf, you can do a lot worse than Tommy Fleetwood. Um, he hits the key trends as well. I haven't touched on that much since, uh, one of our opening segments, but, um, last 10 winners inside the top 30 of the official world golf rankings. He is 21st. Um, last 10 have had a previous top 25 at the U S open. He's got two of them. Um, only three of the last 10 U S open winners had won a major zero wins on the PGA tour for Tommy Fleetwood and eight of the last 10 winners with a top 10 in one of their two previous starts. Second, importantly at the Canadian open last week. All right, gents, we are close to closing it out here. Uh, we could not let T-Mac come back on the show uh, without placing a T-Mac's lottery ticket. We're not there quite yet, because Shallow Cow, you've got two plays left, both 80 to 1. Waco, um, you know, you want to talk about guys that are cerebral, guys that can shape the ball, guys that can move it left, can move it right. Um I just have a, a a problem betting this dude, and the only time I can bet him is the majors, and I think I bet him in every single major. I think I bet him Masters. I think I bet him PGA, and I'm a damn well I better bet him in the U.S. Open. Um, he's I, he's an enigma to me. Um, I feel like his you know, you don't see any of the strokes gain data. You don't really know how well he's playing right now or what, what exactly is going on. Um, but I think he could have one of those LA moments. I mean, obviously Riviera is not necessarily a comp course to, um, to LACC, but the fact of the matter is, is that, if you can get around Riviera, you can get around LACC. It's a, it's a, it's a tough course, um, and I think it's it's going to play very well for for Waco. Waco eighty to one. one. Love me for and, Waco. And the and the next one, Windy C, Windy Clark, Wyndham Clark. I don't really remember. Clark Griswold? I don't remember really betting this uh, because I had had too many beverages. And I was like, oh, Windy C, Bomber, good on approach. Let's do it. Yeah. So a little bit of a drunk bet. But if you want a little floater out there, Windy C, he can win on a course like this. There are definitely worse punts this week than West Coast Windy Sea. Yeah, baby. I don't hate it. All right, well, as mentioned, uh, we couldn't let T-Mac back on the show without making a selection for what was formerly uh, his namesake segment on the Right Click Print Money podcast, T-Mac's Lottery Tickets. 
You got a big one this week, T Mac. It's not John Augustine, but actually a pretty similar number. <laughs> yeah, my boy uh, Joel Dahman at five hundred to one. Uh, you know, last year in this event at the Country Club, he shot sixty-seven opening rounds, sixty-eight to back it up, and then tapered off with a seventy-four and a seventy-one to finish tenth. Uh, uh, I, I just think it would be amazing if he could just have one of these uh, tournaments where he plays all four rounds. And uh, as we saw in the uh, the Netflix series, he could be one of the best golfers in the world if he believed in himself. But, uh, you know, I think he's uh, become one of America's fan favorites. He's one of mine. I'm hoping we can uh, see something out of him here. That'd be amazing. I almost killed Shallow Cal. He nearly choked on that John Augustine joke. Yeah. <laughs> I had a mouthful of tequila, and you said that you dropped the Augustine. I lost it for a second. <laughs> All I right. Got, I, got, I got a long shot for you. Talk to me. I'm going to talk to you guys. Com course, Augusta. This guy's previously won there. Still choking on a little bit of that tequila. Anyway, uh, he's got a very good short game. Good on approach. He's a little older, but he's still very good a, a distance off the team. 150 to 1, Phil Mickelson. What do you think? It would be incredible, but I don't see it happening. There's just Finished no way. Finished second at Augusta this year. This would complete the career Grand Slam for Phil. It would exercise a lot of demons in the U.S. I Open. I don't think he's going to win, but at a 150 to 1, a place on that top seven would net, terrible. Would net you, what, uh, 27 and a half units if you bet a unit each way? Um, Go for it. No, it's more than that. Oh, it's 30 yeah. units. 30 units, yeah. You're right, 30 units. So, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go for it. I'm just saying that Phil, with all of the emotion of being proven right about literally everything, goes out there swinging free and lights it up this week and finishes T6 for a full place. Boom. Phil's definitely going to be walking into LACC with a little extra swagger this week. That I have no he is, doubt. He is swanging that thing around. You think they'll interview him? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Of course they are. Oh, man. We'll see what Phil has to say in those interviews. Well, sure All right. Kind things. Oh, of course. Only only been that, uh, particularly here of late on Twitter. <laughs> all right, fellas, that's going to wrap it. Uh, a reminder, you can see all of our picks for the United States Open Championship by following at Playing Tips Pod on Twitter. T-Mac, many thanks for joining us again this week. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. I had a lot of fun. Shallow Cal, great to be with you as always. Uh, cheers, mate. Let's hit a winner, boys. Go home, huh?